Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. I was a junior church assistant for a while, and then when the associate pastor went off to start a Freedom Baptist Church in Johnsonville, I took over junior church, and I don't think I was saved more about a year or so. So it was, it was kind of new, but it was, it was pretty exciting. Working with the kids is terrific. All right. Um, let's see. I can't think of any other special announcements to make. So we'll just get right into it. And let's turn to Daniel chapter 11. We're continuing on with this. The topic is uh, be brave. Now, last week, uh, it was be, be brave, do something. And I, I stole that from uh, Project Veritas. I like Project Veritas. And this is not a political forum by any means. But I just like the idea that there's somebody out there cutting through, getting real stories behind narrative, breaking through the narrative and uh, bringing some of this information out. And um, you just want to hear the truth, right? What was that? Was it Dragnet? You say just the truth? Yeah. <laughs> was it just the facts or just the truth? Just the facts, just the facts. That's what we want. We just, just want the facts. It, really, as a Christian, that's all I want. As a person, that's all I want. This, is, uh, w- this isn't a topic for today, but this is what I appreciate so much about the Bible. You know, we, we read it. You, there's so many religions out there. You know, pick one. Uh, you open up a phone book, types of churches. Where'd they all come from? I mean, it's an interesting... I have a Bible study on why so many churches, so if you ever want to go through that, if you haven't been through it, it's a very interesting Bible study. But where'd all this come from? Then you got different religions and all these different things. It's just uh, mind-boggling what goes on. But here we go right back to... This is the constitution of reality right here. That's what it is. And uh, it just, it's such a, a great center of balance. It, it opens our eyes to things that are really true, and it's just so, uh, such a blessing to have... There is one thing I want to say before getting into the sermon. That is, we have uh, the world-famous barista, <laughs> Mary Ellen Sheedy, back here. So if you ever here before church, now we don't want you to bring coffee in the, in the auditorium, but she makes the best coffee in the world. And I don't think I'm overstating that. You know, I've said it a thousand times, so never exaggerate. But, um, but she does a great job. So if you ever, and there's certain people when they come in, Two or three or four, she sees, she sees you come in, she gets your, your thing ready, or almost says, right, are you ready for it? Yeah. How many people a week? Three or four, maybe? Mm-hmm. But she does a great job, so if you want to take advantage of that, she can do whatever those different types of coffee are. I think I, I get a latte or something? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, my, not my area. <laughs> but, but it's just good. Anyway, I just want to say, I uh, appreciate what you do, Mary Ellen, and, and if, if you want to take advantage of it, you know, feel free to stop in. When we first started, we, we said about like a dollar or a cup, but it's really just go in and help yourself. And, and um, so appreciate what she does. Daniel chapter 11. We're going to start with the same verse we started with last week. The purpose is... We, what we want to do is break that passive kind of 
reserve that people sometimes have. I'm not saying you all have it. We're all made differently. Some of you are just natural go-getters. You know, an extrovert, a, 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 the general commander in charge, and you just, you have something, you just run with it, you don't care who's in your way. Every once in a while we get somebody like that. I think Brother Chuck was kind of like that. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit, <laughs> but only when he was awake. Right. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, but you know, one of those, <laughs> oh yeah, golf course. Well, we could digress into a few stories there, couldn't we? <laughs> We're going to have good fellowship in heaven. It's going to be terrific. But there are some times that people are like that. And so this message is for them also because we want to do that in light of the truth. But this message has a particular application for those of you, if you're like me, you're not like that all the time. I'm not like that all the time. And so we need to remember we're here to take action. We're here to do something. We have the incredible opportunity of serving the Lord. I know, I know that's such a, a general statement, a, a, a painting with a broad brush, but today's message the title is god's might in us we have a we, we've been given an, an ambassadorship a mission a challenge to reach the world with the gospel of christ and we have so many case studies throughout christian history some contemporaries among us we read about uh the hamiltons in in uh in in, in china and these different places and um in different missionaries in different places just terrific terrific ambassadors for Christ. What we want to do is say, I'm one of them. What we want to do is have our lives to be in such a position where God would say, they're on, they're in, they're all in. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, and the operative part is the second part of the verse, but it says, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. And then here's where it, it, it it's more, more appropriate for the sermon today. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that is ours to be in your house today. And uh, Lord, to be called children of God, we're just so thankful for that. Uh, Lord, it's, it's an honor, it's a privilege. Lord, we know that someday soon we will stand before you. And uh, Father, we just want to stand without regret. As we approach the judgment seat of Christ, we, we approach it realistically. We live our lives, hopefully, Lord, in perspective of that great and coming day. We are so thankful to know that we are saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Lord, we rest in that. But Father, as we realize the importance of the times in which we live, the value of the souls uh, with which we are surrounded. Father, we pray you'd help us to be more bold, to be more confident of the God that we serve and your power to sustain us and to enable us for the task that is at hand. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. We pray, Lord, as always, that if there be any here today that have not yet trusted Christ as Savior, that have not yet repented of their sin, Lord, we pray that this would be the day of salvation. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So God's might in us. And it's, again, it's under that whole topic, be brave, do something. I, I was challenged uh, years ago. You know, for me, I got an itchy nose here. Uh, I was challenged years ago by, uh, by several preachers. My pastor, there's different uh, preachers come in, evangelists. There's one evangelist in particular, I've mentioned before, Dave Mizell. I don't think his ministry is continuing anymore. He had 
Tourette syndromes and different things, and I haven't been in touch with him in a long time. When he was in town, he would stay at our place. Bill Blake and I, we were roommates. We had a, uh, a mansion in a trailer park, and, uh, and so we'd put up guests from time to time, and, and Dave Mizell was one of them. And he told us one time that uh, he said, I never want to have a day go by where I'm not giving someone a track. And I remember thinking, wow, that, is, that just makes sense. And what a great challenge that is for someone to live by. And he said, at the, that point in time, he said, and since I made that commitment, there hasn't been a day where, where he's not given a track to someone. The point being, that may be your challenge, your, your goal. Maybe, hey, let me give a track to someone every day. But whether it's that or measured in some other way, what we want to be is just bold. We want to live with our tail between our legs when it comes to who we are, the God that we serve, the confidence that we have, that all these, the, the, God knows Every area of service that we do, we do it for his honor and glory. The first point I want us to take a look at today is we're the mighty, not the mousy. Mousy, timid, oh. Guys, now I don't have to tell you this, I know you already do that, but I used to tell the boys in junior church, when you shake someone's hand, make sure they know you're shaking their hand. Don't give me one of those dead fish handshakes. There was a fellow who was a really nice gentleman, at the church back then, but he had a dead fish handshake. He would just, it was, it was weird. It was, yeah, exactly. Dave, would you come here for a minute? Would you come here for a minute? We're just going to kind of break ranks today. It was kind of something different. So this is how he would shake hands. I, I, I would shake his hand like this. I go, like, this is what I tell the boys. You shake their hand. You make sure they know you're, they're shaking your hand. This is what he would do. Exactly. I'm like, you should be in junior church. <laughs> it's like, why would you do that? He was a happily married man. I mean, you know, it was just, well, it was just one of those dead fish handshakes. That's, that, it, he was not a mousy person. He was a very nice gentleman. And I, I, I don't even know his name, not, frankly, after all these years. And if I didn't remember his name, I wouldn't say it. But it's, that, it's a kind of living where people know, we, we communicate to people our confidence in the Lord. We all come from different backgrounds. You might be a super shy person. We have some shy people. You don't, you don't like to be up front. You don't like talking to people. I mean, you, if someone says to you, hey, would you go talk to this person about the Lord? You'd rather donate your liver to somebody. It's just the hardest thing in the world. But where we want to get is from where we are to somewhere closer to that step of boldness, confidence in serving the Lord, regardless of the circumstances. Because the battle's already won. The war's already won. We have some battles between now and then, but the wars are, are already won. And the point that I want to make here on this first one is that we're the mighty, not the mousy. In other words, we're the confident ones. It doesn't mean we dominate every conversation. We dominate every, every meeting at the office or at the store or whatever. It doesn't, that's not necessarily the application. But we want to be in the place where we're not afraid ever to speak up for Christ. And sometimes it's going to be at times when you did not plan on it. It's one of those divine appointments that God will bring by every once in a while, and you'll be glad you were there. And you'll be glad you said what you said at the time that you didn't plan on it. And it all comes by realizing in Daniel eleven thirty two, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. We're going to, we're going to develop that in just a minute. To know God, we've got to exalt him. We talked a little bit about this last week, and it's, it's, it's strength we will, we will gain strength the more we know our God. And that's really what it comes down to. It's not a psychological 
mechanic that we go through. I need to be bold. I need to be bold. I need to be bold. That's not how you do it. It's by knowing God. It's by being absorbed in Him. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to to them that thy profiting may appear unto all. The more we know God, the more we walk on, on a higher level with God, the less we're concerned about the trappings of the world and all the distractions and all the inhibitions that may come along with it. The more we know Him, and it's strength. The strength is absolutely a consistent mark of men and women that really know their God. It's strength. It's a strength of conviction, strength of confidence. We're not afraid to stand up and, and speak up for God. And it, and it talks about exploits. It says, and they shall be strong and do exploits. We'll talk about that in just a minute. It's a very real application. Um, as a matter of fact, when it says this, Daniel, Daniel's such a great book. In Daniel chapter 9, we're not going to cover it, but in Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 24, we have an incredible prophecy where the angel Gabriel came to Daniel, and he basically said in the verses before, he said, uh, Daniel, man, you're man greatly beloved, you know, we've heard your prayers, I've got some things to tell you, the first thing being there's 70 weeks appointed unto by, by people. We're not going to get into that today, but that's chapter 9, a very, very important, long-reaching prophetic utterance by God through the angel Gabriel to Daniel. Incredible. It has incredible application even to the day in which we're living now. Now, Daniel chapter 10 and 11, 11 more so, well, now it gets a little complicated. It's kind of hard to read. Let's just go through a, a few verses. and just follow. I'll read quickly Daniel chapter 11, a few verses. I also, in the first year of Darius the Mede, even I stood to confirm and to strengthen him, and now will I show thee the truth. Behold, there shall stand up yet three kings in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than they all, and by his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up against the realm of Grecia. And a mighty king shall stand up, that shall rule with great dominion, do according to his will. And when he shall stand up, his kingdom shall be broken, and shall be divided toward the four winds of heaven, and not to his posterity, nor according to his dominion which he ruled, for his kingdom shall be plucked up even as others beside those. What's amazing here is, the historic accuracy, he's talking about, there's military campaigns. I don't have the detail in front of me. It wasn't the purpose of today's sermon. But it's a very specific, immediate prophecy concerning some military campaigns that are going to happen in that area. As a matter of fact, Daniel, one of the reasons why some people, the critics, the unbelievers, the ungodly people, will say Daniel was not really written as far back as it was. It had to be written much later because of the accuracy of the military events captured in chapter 11. Now, we're going to bother with king of the north, king of the south, and daughter of the king, and so on and so forth. But in, in verse 31, uh, in verse 32, it's talking about an, an extremely important historic figure. An arm shall stand up in his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away, watch this, the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate, and such as do wickedly against a covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The context in chapter 11 is kind of midterm prophecy. It wasn't long-term like Daniel chapter 9. It's kind of short-term, midterm prophecy. Just not too long from now, these kings are going to do something. Daniel was, uh, about, Daniel was taken in captivity. The Jerusalem fell in about 586 B.C. Antiochus Epiphanes ruled from about 175 to 164 B.C., so about three, 400 years difference. That's the range of this prophecy. 
And he says, and I just, I'm just trying to give you the context, because there was a time when it became really important that God's people would stand up and God would do exploits through them. This particular reference is to the Maccabees. I don't know if you're familiar with the Maccabees or not. It's kind of the, between the end of the Old Testament and beginning of the New Testament, there was an intertestamental period. And the Maccabees was a group of people, it was a family, that rose up and broke the Syrian rule, broke the, the, the rule of Syria over Israel. They rebelled against Syria and gained the freedom for the Israel for the first time since the Babylonian invasion. And the last time until 1948, when Israel became a nation, in our 1948. I, I just want to read this. I'll give you a little bit of historic background, but this is the, the primary application of this verse. And I use it just as a case study. The Jewish people experienced, of course, some incredible persecution through the centuries, but none of them were worse than Antiochus Epiphanes. The Syrian, is a Syrian king who reigned from 175 to 164 BC. This is before Christ. His assumed name was Theos Epiphanes. This is what he called himself, which means the manifest God. The Jews changed, this is, I, I never heard this until preparing for the sermon. The Jews changed one letter in his name, in their language, and they called him Epimenes, which means madman. So he called himself Epiphanes, manifest God. They called him a madman, and he was. His hatred for the Jews was insane. The problem was, he's a king of Syria. He's got military power. And Daniel, uh, Daniel talked about what was going to happen in here. Antioch's Epiphanes, I mentioned him before, but it's such an incredible, kind of a non-biblical event. It's just referenced in biblical prophetically. He ordered, as it says here in verse 11, he shall stand on his part and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. The ultimate one will be the Antichrist in the temple halfway through the tribulation period. That's, that's a total abomination of desolation spoken of in Matthew, for instance. There was a prototype of it, as there is with a lot of major biblical prophecies, a prototype. This was it, Antiochus Epiphanes. An unbeliever said, I am God manifest, he goes to the temple, he goes to the Jewish people, and, he's, and he, he takes away their sacrifice, and he offers a pig on the altar. There were people, there are times when God's people, and it's, it makes you just scratch your head why these things have to be. But there are times, many times throughout history, when God's people are sub, subject to some governmental authority that they don't like very much. It happens all the time. The majority of history of believers has been under the domination of a government that they're not in line with. They don't agree with the same thing. This was as bad as it could possibly get. This was the worst that it had ever gotten. And that's what, what happened was, and it talks about having exploits, doing some things that, something that needs to be done that is not naturally capable of being done, but it has to be done and then God takes over and makes sure that it is done. This is what happened with Antioch's Epiphanes and the Maccabees. A group of courageous men called the Maccabees led a historic revolt against Antiochus. Their exploits against immeasurable odds, there's no way they could have won, were nothing short of phenomenal. They knew that God, had, there were principles at stake, 
They knew that they need to do something about it. They weren't so concerned about the details of how it's going to be. They just knew we can't let this happen. There's a line that was, if we take another popular phrase, drawn in the sand. They said, we can't sit back and let anything else happen. There's a lot of things that go on that are beyond our control. There's a lot of things our government does that are incredibly ungodly. But if they came to Lighthouse Baptist Church and said, now we must do those ungodly things here, that's a line in the sand. That's what happened in the temple. They, they, he offered a pig on the altar. There's nobody that says this is okay. There's nobody that could justify standing by apathetically while these things happened. And so they had an incredible revolt and they broke Antiochus' grip on Israel because they stood up and they fought. This challenge, this verse on the people that know their God will, 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 um, will, shall be strong and do exploits, it's not a call to physical confrontation at all times. There's one time when it was. I hope it doesn't ever get there again. It might. It could possibly be there. The more important application of this is, as we know our God, and this is, that was a case study. These are men that, because the name of God was so horribly blasphemed, they said, we've got to do something about it, and they won against immeasurable odds. It was incredible. The point being, there are times... Well, we, have, we live in a world that's going to hell, literally. Literally going to hell. And there are going to be people at their judgment seat. There's different judgment seats, so I'm going to speak broadly. At their judgment seat. And some of them may say, I never knew. Well, I don't want to be in the mix of people along their way of never knowing that never said anything. We, if we know our God, we'll do exploits. We know our God, if we know Christ the way that we ought to know Christ, the way we want to know Christ, we're going to find us having the same heart and the same mind as Christ. We're going to find ourselves having the same sensibility, the same spontaneity that, that Christ would have in a particular situation. That's what we want to have. The same resolute uh, determination to follow the will of God, the same Reckless abandon of things that, Lord, if there's anything you can use me for, I'm here for you to be used. And so we see, first of all, is that we're the mighty, not the mousy. I think that's really important. No more fish handshakes, right? Make sure they know your, their hands being shaken. Good reminder, in life, we don't want to be the mousy, quiet one. We want to be the one that can make a difference. We can't take a bullhorn all the time and stand up and, at work and and start doing things. That's not necessarily the best way to go. If you said you wanted to do it, I wouldn't stop you, all right? I wouldn't. It may not be the best way to go. But we never want to be, and we don't ever want to be, is that quiet, uh, apathetic person that just kind of let things go. God was looking for someone who's going to stand in the gap. There's a gap. There's a hole in the wall, a breach in the dike, so to speak. Who's going to make a difference? By the grace of God, we're saying we will. So we're the mighty, not the mouse. You're also, we're the medicine, not the malady. And I say this because in, in context of you know, where we are now, it's Christians who are being pointed, have the fingers pointed at and saying they're the problem. Well, maybe as, to the degree as which 
salt and light is the problem. Okay, yeah, maybe we're the problem. But the truth of the matter is, we have the answer. In Psalm 51, the Bible says, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. While you're turning there, I'm going to read Psalm 51, verses 12 and 13. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I just read this this week. Wonderful psalm. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Teach. Not, I'm going to wait to be invited, but I will teach as much as we can. We can't kick down every door. But to boldly go in the places that were most seriously needed, that's where we want to be. Sinners shall be converted unto thee. Awesome. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. It says, and said, verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. This message of grace and forgiveness is essential. We have that message. I was talking to Pastor Pete, I don't know, six months ago, a year ago, having breakfast, and he said, you ever look around, just seems like, what have we gotten done? Not, not, that's not derogatory or, 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 or pessimistic about the ministry by any means, but it's like you look around and you just see so much that appears to be, so many that appear to be not ready. And on the one hand, you could say, yeah, it, it does kind of seem like that. On the other hand, it's like, well, wait a minute. And that's the purpose of this is to wake us up and realize, I don't know how many more days I have left. But by the grace of God, I want to make a difference. And I don't know, I don't know how our days are measured up in, in the past on what we've done for God. But by the grace of God, from this day forward, we can be more bold, more direct in the proclamation of the gospel of Christ. We have the message. We have, we have the only answer that will ever meet their need. In Acts chapter 3, verse uh, let's turn to James chapter 5. Read a couple of verses in there. We're going to get into the, to the last point. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. We're the reconcilers. Now, you see, when, when people have a problem, <laughs> it's hard to get involved in a situation when someone has a problem and they don't ask you for your opinion, right? You ever have that happen? Because usually we know just about everything that would help someone, right? I say it with a little tongue-in-cheek. It's hard to do that. But that's exactly the opportunity we look to do. Because there will be so many times, well, people don't invite us in, but we make our way in. Prayerfully, scripturally, compassionately, we just want to break through that wall. In James chapter 5, verses 19 20, it says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. I want to be that guy. I want to be that one who's going to convert the sinner. Obviously, God does converting, but we're the messenger, and that brings into the last point, but we want to be the one that, that is in, 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 in the work of that conversion. Why? Save a soul from death. I, I think about the judgment seat a lot. I really do. I think, I, I think I can safely say every day, I think about the judgment seat of Christ. 
apologize, I didn't know my speaker was on. I think about that all the time, about the judgment seat of Christ. I think about, I think about myself standing in the judgment seat of Christ, and I realize that you know, life goes by fast, and opportunities have been there. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm just so thankful to be saved. Amen? So thankful to be saved. Because I know what I deserved. I didn't think I deserved it, but understanding through God's word, objectively, now I know what I deserve. But he gave me, he gave me forgiveness. He gave me compassion. He gave me blessings beyond anything I've ever deserved. And he's given me the opportunity to serve him. I'm extremely thankful for what God's done in my life. I, I realize there's a lot of times that you and I will miss opportunities. We've got to be honest about it. There are times like that. But our goal is to minimize those times. And I think about judgment seat of Christ for myself, and if you're like me, and I'm, I, I think we're similar on this, we think about it for others. What's the judgment seat? Judgment seat of Christ for believers, great right throne judgment for unbelievers, there's judgment of the nations, different judgments spoken of. But oh my goodness, right now we have the truth. Right now we have the opportunity to, to do something about it. So we want to be strong. We want to do exploits. Not be ashamed, not be timid. And then lastly, we're the messenger, not the message. And this is, I think, a really important point to bring out. It's not about us. You know, I'm thankful to be a Christian. Don't you, don't you hope you earn the title? <laughs> Amen? Or a disciple, a learner, a follower of Christ. Man, I'd, I'd love to have God agree that we've, you know, we, we have that title with some sense of being worthy, some sense of being worthy. It's all by grace, but I think you know what I mean. Jesus was a messenger for the Father. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 37, we're going to turn just a couple other verses. Matthew chapter 21, verse 37. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, they will reverence my son. So a parable talking about Christ being the final messenger from the Father to the people. Jesus was a messenger. He was. He was a messenger of this heavenly message. It was his message. He's one with the Father. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Here's a good name for you. John the Baptist. I have no direct connection with John the Baptist, but I like the, the name connection anyway. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. And we're going to turn to Matthew 11 in just a minute. Again, just a couple more verses. John was the forerunner of Christ. He was the messenger. He wasn't the message. In Malachi 3.1, it says, Behold, I, set, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. The messenger, he should prepare the way before me, is talking about John the Baptist. What a great honor John the Baptist had. What a tremendous ministry that he had. And it was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 11, verse 10. Matthew chapter 11, verse 10. And it says, very specifically, for this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Again, talking about John the Baptist being a messenger. We want to be a messenger. The Bible says, in, in, in Daniel chapter 11, and they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. 
The key is knowing our God. It's not the person. Not like, oh, that person, they're such a strong individual. You may or may not be on a kind of an earthly relationship level. We, we recognize that. There's nothing wrong with that. So-and-so is a very forceful person. So-and-so is a more reserved person. That, that's okay. But the point being, it's never about us. God has taken some of the greatest preachers that have ever walked the face of the earth are personally very reserved. They're not good communicators. They're just awkward with people. They, Pastor Prime, you've seen this before in people. They just... They're not good conversationalists. They're not dynamic in a crowd. Some naturally are, some aren't. But some of the greatest preachers that ever lived were the shy ones. The ones that have a hard time talking one-on-one at a meeting. They're just, they're uncomfortable with that. And maybe you're a little bit like that. And I say that to say, God will sometimes take the people with the, you might consider them shy or reserved, and make them the greatest messengers of anyone in the area. The more we know God, the less fearful we'll become. We'll be strong in areas that otherwise we'd say it's just not possible to do it. When we know it's God who works in us, it's not ourselves, then we have confidence toward God. We have confidence he's going to do the work that he's sent us to do. We're the messenger. You know, I, I'm, I'm reminded constantly, I get up, I look in the mirror, I'm constantly reminded who I am. And... Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes you look in the mirror, it's a little shocking. Amen? <laughs> if you don't think so, come look in the mirror with me. I'll show you what I'm talking about. A little shocking. Great reminder of our, of our mortality, our weaknesses, the vanity of the flesh, all these different things. But I am so thankful that God saved us. I'm so thankful that God put in us this incredible message, and He made us bearers of the message, ambassadors for Christ. In spite of the personal strength or weaknesses that we may have, God has given us this incredible message. He wants us to be bold. And they that are strong, they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. We want to be those people. We're not looking for our parting the Red Sea moments every day. That's not realistic. But some of you, if you're like me, you'd say, you know, I wish I was a little bit bolder at that last, that last opportunity that I had. I, I kind of let it go. What was I thinking? Was I thinking about, oh, this might not make me popular or, or, or whatever it may be? Is that what we're thinking? The more we know our God, the more confident we're going to be in our walk with him, and the more spontaneous we're going to be in sharing the mind of Christ, having the mind of Christ as we share these things with so many people. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.